want to welcome those of you who are worshiping upstairs in our modern sanctuary or those of you who are worshiping online or listening to our podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. Welcome to South Park Church. Again, welcome to those of you who are here with us in our traditional service. It's good to be together uh, in the house of the Lord today. Uh, here at South Park, we uh, believe that we are called uh, to help people live life to the full with Jesus. That is our vision, and that's what we strive to do. We have three core values that we believe in. Uh, the first is that relationships are the most important thing in life. Uh, the secret of life is to be in relationship with God and with other people. Our second one is transformation. God meets us where we are and helps us become the people that we were created to be. And finally, we believe in generosity, that we are created in God's image, and God is a generous God, which makes us generous by default. Everything that we have comes to us from God. So I'm excited today to be with you as we have come to worship God and join together in fellowship with each other. I just want to invite you, uh, put on your calendar next Sunday right after worship, we're going to have coffee and donuts here in our traditional sanctuary. Uh, and I'm going to give an update on our progress towards our Performing Arts Center that we're working towards here in, uh, in our building that's not finished yet. So it's going to be a very exciting Sunday, next Sunday. So I hope you'll be here and stick around for that. And that's going to be here in our traditional sanctuary. So a lot of fun. Well, right now, we are in the season of Lent. That is a Christian season of 40 days that leads into Easter Sunday. And Lent involves a time of reflection to ask ourselves questions like, how is it with my soul? What's my relationship with God like? And so we, we have a chance to be introspective during this season of Lent. And our sermon series during Lent is called In a Different Light. We want to see God in our lives. How can we see God maybe in a different way than we've seen God before? And so we've been exploring that over the past couple of weeks, uh, and we'll continue to do that today. So again, grateful to have you with us. Uh, we've been looking at one special verse from the book of Psalms, Psalm 119, 18a. It means it's the first part of the verse. Open my eyes that I may see. We want to see you, God. Show us where you are in the world and in our lives. And we've been talking about uh, a contemplative lifestyle uh, to, to contemplate God. And so a couple of definitions for what it means to contemplate God we have here. One is to observe carefully, to pay close attention to or take a long, loving look at what is real. I want to add to that today that to, to contemplate is the deliberate seeking of God through a willingness to detach from the passing self, the tyranny of our emotions, the addiction to our own self-image, and the false promises of the world. We want to see God as God truly is, to take away the filters that might get in the way of God and find out what that looks like. We talked last week about how we have blind spots in our lives. Just like when we're in our car, we have a blind spot where we could have you know, a Mack truck beside us and not even see it. That We also have spiritual blind spots, things that can get between us and between God. If you missed that message, you can find that on our website. I hope that was helpful. Uh, and so we're going to continue moving on today in what it means to look for God in our lives. And I want to show you something that I found. I've, I've had this in a box in my house for a while. Um, this is it's, it's a, it's a simple bag. Uh, and I have had this since I was in elementary school. And that's old, people. <laughs> so it's a miracle that this thing is held up. You can see there's staples in it and all kinds of stuff. But I had this in church when I was a little kid. And my dad is a, a Methodist pastor. He's retired now. But he was my pastor growing up. And so one Sunday, my dad was preaching on a story that Jesus tells about a farmer who sowed some seed. 
And I got to be the living illustration of that. As my dad read this scripture out loud, which we're going to read in just a minute, I had this bag full of seed. And so when my dad said the farmer scattered seed here or there, I got to stick my hand in and get seed all over the church. And it was a lot of fun to make a mess as a little kid. And uh, I'll never forget that. And that was a lot of fun. I never did realize who cleaned that up after I did that. But uh, so I still got this bag, and it, it means a lot to me uh, with some memories. But we're going to be looking at uh, this very same passage from Scripture and to be thinking about what it might mean for us uh, in our own lives today. So let's dive into Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. Uh, Jesus has been teaching. He's been doing miracles, and lots of people have noticed him and want to be near him. So, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. This is the Sea of Galilee. It's a big lake in the northern part of Israel. It's beautiful. You can imagine just uh, all of these hills around a big body of water, kind of like Lake Norman, something like that, just a little more hilly. Uh, and so the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. So all these people want to see Jesus. And the only way he can talk to them, he gets in a boat to get away from them so that the acoustics can carry up onto the hill. So just imagine Jesus is in the boat, people are on the hill, it's packed, and he's just got this, this electric uh, magnetism, and he, people just want to be around him and hear from him. And so Jesus is teaching all these people. So he taught them many things by parables, and in this teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly truth. Right, so it's going to be an earthly story about a farmer who went out to sow some seed, kind of like my bag over here. And it's going to teach us something about a spiritual truth, a heavenly truth, a, a truth of the kingdom of God. So as you hear Jesus tell this story, be thinking in your mind what this heavenly meaning might be behind these earthly words. So a, a farmer went out to sow some seed. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some soil fell, I mean, some seed fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. So we got a story about a farmer. He's got seed, and he's scattering this seed everywhere. And I don't know a lot about farming, but my question is, is he really a good farmer? Because he's wasting a lot of seed. Right? He's throwing it on a path where people walk, and the birds come and get the seed. Uh, he's throwing it into uh, some rocky soil that doesn't, is not deep, and it's going to grow up and get scorched by the sun. He's throwing some of it into thorns, which are going to choke whatever grows up. And then he sows some on the, pa on the, on the good soil where it, it grows and, and does well. My question is, why don't you just start with the good soil? Right? That's a good question. Right? I'm sure that seed was expensive, uh, and so why waste all this seed in places that you know it's not going to grow up, right? So this is an earthly story. We think that the farmer might be an earthly idiot. Uh, but what's the heavenly truth 
in this story. So the disciples are thinking kind of similar thoughts in their brains, wondering, well, what's Jesus trying to teach us in this? So let's go and see what Jesus tells them next. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. I'll add today, whoever has eyes, let them see, right? Because they're talking about seeing Jesus. Um, When Jesus was alone, the 12 disciples and the others around him asked him about the parables. What's going on with this story? Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Come on, let's wake up, disciples. Let's see what's going on. The farmer sows the word. So the seed is the word of God. It's sharing the good news about God. So the farmer's going out and he's sharing the good news about God. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So the farmer throws the seed out on the path and the birds get it. Uh, But Jesus says, some of us have received the word of God just like that. But then instead of the birds coming to get it, the devil, right? The evil one comes and snatches it away, right? And so Jesus is saying, sometimes we hear the word of God proclaimed. We, we want to receive that word, but then that there are forces of evil in the world that try to distract us away from God. We're tempted to do things that probably feel good, but they're wrong to do. And so we're distracted by evil and things get in the way between us and God. So in your life, maybe think about, as we look at where the farmer's sowing this seed, Have we ever heard the word of God? Have we been exposed to the word of God? We want to follow God, but then Satan or someone, right? Something evil interrupts that and we go down the wrong path, right? I think think that's true, probably for all of us at some point in our life, right? So let's keep going and see what happens. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy, right? This Jesus is awesome. I want to follow him. I want to be forgiven. I want to have a life that is full, But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So sometimes we receive the word of God. We're excited about it. Things are going well. But as soon as any kind of trouble comes in our way because we're followers of Jesus, we're like, well, I don't know if I want to stick with this. right? Because sometimes it's hard to follow Jesus. Sometimes we're ridiculed because of that. Sometimes we have to make sacrifices and spend our time and money in ways that we might not want to spend it. Or some people in the world have even been uh, arrested or, or tortured, even killed for their faith. And so sometimes we receive the word of God. We're excited about it. But as soon as it becomes difficult, we're like, mm, thanks, but no thanks, God. I'm out. Ever been on like a, a, a spiritual retreat and you go away and things are just great and you come home and you love God and you're singing songs on your Christian radio and you're, you're praying, you're reading your Bible, but the, the next moment something comes in to interrupt that that makes being a follower of Jesus difficult, someone challenges your faith or you have a bad experience with some kind of religious thing, right, then ah, maybe not. You know, a couple of weeks ago we looked at... Uh, Peter, James, and John went with Jesus up on this mountain and Jesus was transfigured and they got to see him in his full glory and it was beautiful, right? And right before that, Jesus said that he's getting ready to have to suffer and die and and he's up here glowing on the mountain and what does Peter do? He says, let's stay here for a while. I like being in the the good moments because when we go down the mountain, it's gonna get rough. So let's let's stay in the good moments And, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having a spiritual moment or, you know, a spiritual high, but as followers of Jesus, we got to understand that we're also going to have some things in our lives that are difficult, 
and we're going to have to struggle. So it's kind of like we've got the joy of Jesus, and we also have the struggle of following Jesus in a broken world, and, and we have to live in that tension as followers of Jesus. And a lot of times we just want the good without the bad. And so sometimes we just say, you know what? I don't want to take the bad. Even the 12 disciples fell into this trap. They were with Jesus from the beginning. They saw him do all these amazing things. They did amazing things themselves. But when they started to face persecution, what did they do? They ran away. Peter denied knowing Jesus. And Judas sold him out. So the 12 disciples themselves were kind of like this seed that got scorched. You ever felt like that in your life, in your faith life? If you do, you're not alone. We'll see what happens next. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires of other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Word sounds good, want to follow God, but you know what? I like money and stuff better. <laughs> Might not say that out loud, but that's the way that I live my life. I'd rather be famous or popular. I'd rather have power or authority. And so we chase after things in the world rather than chasing after God. And so we're choked out by some of the things in the world. Have you ever felt like that with your faith? You want to follow God, but other things kind of seem to be more of a priority. Uh, They're not bad things. They just are the wrong priority. So one more set of seed here. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Some of us receive the word of God, and we love it, and it transforms us. And God works through us to do good things and to make the world a better place. And God uses us to share the good news with other people who come to have faith in this same Jesus. So in this little earthly story is a lot about what it means to follow Jesus, right? So a couple of points uh, that I want to highlight here. We talk about the good hearer who welcomes the word, the one who was in that last soil, right? The good hearer welcomes the word of God immediately so that it cannot be snatched away, right? Deeply so that it's not withered by persecution, and exclusively so that the other concerns do not strangle it, right? So that's the goal, and that's where we want to be, right? But what happens when we can't do that, which is probably most of all of us, if we're honest, right? Where at some point we're going to fall away because of different things. What does this parable teach us? This is what I think it teaches us, right? One, we're not all in good soil, but we still receive seed. This guy was a terrible farmer, but he was a great evangelist, because the word of God is sown not to just people who go to church, but to people who are living in rocky places and people who are getting burned in the world, right? We are to share the word of God everywhere. Even if we take it someplace where someone says, no one will ever listen to the word of God, we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to share the word of God at work and at school and in our neighborhoods and in the nice parts of town and in the bad parts of town, right? In the bars and wherever we are, right? We're supposed to share that word of God because you never know when someone in one of these places might be receptive to the gospel. And if you are not a perfect person living in a perfect church, uh, you also can receive the word of God wherever you are, even if it's a bad place or a tough spot in your life right now. So I think that's really good news. Bad farmer, great evangelist trying to share the gospel of God. Another point, soil is unable to change its character 
but human beings can. If you got thorns and you're the soil, you're stuck with it. If you're shallow and the sun's scorching you, you're stuck with it, right? If you're soil, you can't do anything, but we're human beings and we can, we can change that. We can move to better soil. We can get away from the thorns. We can get in deeper soil, right? So if, if you feel that you're trapped and not in the relationship with God that you want, if you're not able to see God where you are, you can make a change. It's not too late. You can see God in your life. You're not too far. You can see God in your life. All you have to do is change your soil. So you're not trapped. You can see God. Because if we're honest, and I've felt it in my life, right? Sometimes we need a fresh start. We've made mistakes. We need a fresh start to be with God because uh, we have been snatched up by evil. We've, we've gone down the wrong path and done some bad things that we need to repent for, right? To turn away from. Sometimes we've been shallow in our faith and we've been scorched and, and, and it's hurt, right? Sometimes we try to follow God and we've been choked out by the things that we chase in life, right? So we know what it's like to be snatched up. We know what it's like to be scorched. We know what it's like to be choked. And I would add, we know what it's like to be sprayed with Roundup, <laughs> right? We're, we're poisoned. Our faith is poisoned in life and we can't see God. And if you're in that position right now, there's good news, right? You can still see God. You can still see God, right? We, we can start over. You ever heard of the, the Latin phrase, the tabula rasa, right? A blank slate, right? When you used to write on slates with, I guess, with chalk, you know, if you, you didn't like what you have, you erase it and start over. God's ready to help you erase the bad things in your life and to start over. And when we do that, maybe we can see God in a new way. We can see God in our lives in a different way light. I want to read you a couple of quotes from Richard Rohr. He's a Catholic priest uh, who is a very contemplative sort of person, and uh, I love his writings. This is what he says about spirituality, seeing God. For by and large, what blocks spiritual teaching is the assumption that we already know everything or that we don't need to know. I've been to church my whole life. I don't need to see God in a new way, pastor. I got other things in my life that are more important. I don't don't need to worry about seeing God. That's the kind of stuff that blocks us from seeing God. One more quote. We must never presume that we see. We must always be ready to see anew. How might you see God in a new way? How might you see God in a different light? Maybe you've walked with God a short time. Maybe you've walked with God a long time. What are the blind spots? We talked about blind spots last week. How might God be ready to show himself to you in a brand new, exciting way? So one of the things that we've been doing in this uh, sermon series is each week I've been uh, teaching a spiritual practice that helps you grow closer to God and to see God. So we've done two of those. and I want to introduce to you another practice today. And this is one that is pretty much universally recognized as a powerful spiritual practice across Christianity, even other religions. It's uh, practicing silence, right? It's being quiet. It's listening for God, looking for God in silence. Look at what Richard Rohr says about silence. Deep silence and God will be experienced as the same thing. Now, that's a powerful thing. Deep silence and God will be experienced as the same thing. I think he says that because when we are truly deeply silent, we can stop and look and listen to see that God's all around us. And we'll experience God in the silence, right? 
Silence is a third element connecting the seer, the person who wants to see, and what is seen, we're looking for God, right? Just like the Holy Spirit. Silence will help us connect to God. Think about all of the loud things in your life right now. All of the visual and loud things, right? On your computer, on your television, right? In your ears, on the radio, right? We are bombarded with all kinds of things in our lives, right? And, and I believe that God can speak through those, absolutely. But there's something about taking a time out and being quiet and listening to and looking for God that we miss so much, right? Let's keep going with this, right? So how do we practice silence? This is actually simple to explain, but it's hard to put into practice, okay? So these are some examples. Don't turn on the radio in your car sometimes. Look and listen for God instead. Don't turn on the television, the phone, or the computer sometimes. Now, I know, like, turning off your phone, I even got mine in my pocket. That's, like, impossible, but try it. Sit in silence and look and listen for God. Limit your need to use all of your social media accounts today, okay? Let's keep going. Proceed the remarks that you have with spacious silence about whatever you want to say. Before you open your mouth to talk to somebody, be silent and look and listen for what God would have you to say, okay? Take long walks without earbuds or AirPods or whatever you've got and listen to the sounds. Look at the beauty that God has created. Listen to others from your heart before you talk yourself. One more slide here from silence. Practice silence always until it surrounds and supports just about everything else. So again, it's simple to explain. Just be quiet, but it's hard to do. Look for God and listen for God and be intentional in that. And I think at the heart of this story about the parable of the sower is, do we really want to see God? Do we want to really hear God? Because if we do, we need to step out of the thorns. If we do, we need to get into some deeper soil. We get off the path where the evil one is, right? We can control that. The question is, do you really want to see God? And just maybe to explore some questions with, do you want to see God as much as you want to succeed in work and all the hours that you're putting into your job? Do you want to see God as much as you want to make money and to buy really nice things? Think about all the time that we spend pursuing wealth and things in our lives. Do you want to to see God as much as you want to be entertained? On your computers, on the internet, at movies, television, sporting events. Do we want to see God as much as we want to be entertained? Do you want to see God as much as you want to work hard to get good grades or get a promotion. We want to see God as much as we pour ourselves into being a great artist or a great musician and the instrument that we play. Do we want to see God as much as we want to be a successful athlete and all the time and practice we put into working out and and practicing and, and playing those games? Do we really want to see God as much as we pursue other things in life? How badly do you want to see God? What kind of soil are you placing yourself in? I want to read to you another passage of Scripture uh, from Jesus. Uh, This is in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, verse 44. And just to set it up, in Israel back in the day, uh, people didn't really have like an Encore Bank or a South State Bank or a Bank of America where they could keep their valuables. And so mostly what they did is they dug a hole in their backyard and put their stuff in there. And hopefully they remembered where they placed it. (laughs) But sometimes... People would forget, and if somebody came upon that buried treasure, hey, that's my treasure, right? 
finders keepers, losers weepers. So that's kind of the setting for this, this passage of scripture. Okay, look at this. Jesus is teaching, right? The kingdom of heaven, right? Being in a relationship with God is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he dug it up, he found it, and he hid it back again. And then in his joy went and sold all that he had to buy that field. He found some treasure in a field that he didn't own. He looked around, no one's looking, he buried it back. He's like, I gotta do everything that I can to get a hold of this treasure. So he went and sold everything that he had to come back to get that treasure. And Jesus is asking us, do you love God that much? Right? Is God your treasure? Would you do, leave everything behind so that you could have God first in your life? Do you really want to see God in your life? Do you love God like the man loved the treasure that he found in his field? Because God is the ultimate treasure. How much do we love God? How much are we yearning to see God in our lives? So what's the point today? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? This is what I think it is. When the student is ready, the teacher will arrive. When you're ready to see God, you will see God because God is all around. God is everywhere around. God is in your life, in your day, everywhere. When you are ready to see God, you will see God. When the student is ready, the teacher will arrive. So a couple of action steps that I invite you to think about doing as a way to kind of Open yourself up to seeing God in your life. One is tend your soil. Are you on the path where evil is tempting and taking you away? Are you in some shallow soil and you you like God, but when things get hard, you kind of get scorched by the sun? Are you in the soil where the the thorns of life are choking you, the pursuit of wealth or, or fame or popularity or stuff? What's choking God out in your life? Are you in that good soil? Remember, God sows seed everywhere. If you're, in the, if you're a tough spot in the wrong soil, you can move into the good soil, right? Because God's reaching out to all of us. Soil can't change its character, but human beings can with the help of God. Tend your soil. Right? If you need to move soil, need to move to another field, you can do that, right, with the help of God. Right? Second thing, we talked about it, practice silence. Practice some silence this week. Maybe a challenge to you is to pray with your eyes open and your mouth shut, right? Let's see what God's doing, right? Practice some silence, that even in silence, we can meet God ourselves. We can see God when we stop and we look and we listen for God. Practice silence this week. So I wanna go back to that question. Do you want to see God? Do you want to see God as much as you want to succeed in work and and in sports and arts? And and do you want to see God as much as you pursue things in life? I think the answer is yes. Because you're here today. Or you're watching today. You're listening to this on, on a podcast. You're here because you believe there's a God. Or you hope there's a God. You need God in your life. You are dying to see God at work in your life. And so I'm happy for you. And if you earnestly want to see God, you will see God. Open my eyes that I may see. Open our eyes that we may see. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.